take a girl and a guy and they fall madly in love and form a family. Sprinkle in some counseling degrees and a doctorate, a dream of transforming relationships as we know it. And 20 years later, we give you power couple Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. And this is their podcast, Couples Synergy. Welcome back to another episode of Couples Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean. I'm Dr. Ray. And I'm Jean. And this is our podcast about love, marriage, and relationships. Check us out online at couplesynergy.com and be sure to subscribe to our podcast or send us any suggestions on topics you'd like to hear more about. And now on to Couples Synergy, an in-depth look at love, marriage, and relationships, where we bring you our experiences with working with thousands of couples for over 15 years. You know, every day we get to hear intimate details about a couple's celebrations, disappointments, and everyday challenges. We've often wished these stories were shared because we know that we are more similar than different. And so we've created not only an avenue where you can hear about people's intimate lives, but an atmosphere where people come over to our home pub, pour a drink, and share their stories. So we just had a perfect experience. Yeah. Because what we want to talk about today is continued growth. Right. And so we... And why it's important to grow. Right. Right. So we tried to grow. Yeah. Yeah. By doing something different today and... It didn't work out, but we learned a lot. We learned a lot, right. and that helps us for the next time <laughs> exactly when we, when we do this. So we, we had some friends helping us today. Mm-hmm. We're trying trying something new out, and you know, as I told him about a week ago, you know, I didn't get a doctorate in IT. That's true, right? Or videography, or sound engineering or anything like that, right? So this has been a journey of mm-hmm. growth for both of us, right? So I don't know if you guys know this, but it takes, in order to learn something, it takes 20 times. So like if you picked up a guitar and you picked it up 20 times and you practiced 20 times, you could play a little song. But it takes 10,000 times to master it. And we forget about that as human beings. You know, when a child is born... We all kind of do the same thing. We pick our head up, we roll over, we uh, get up on all fours, we scooch around, we start to crawl, then we stand up, and then... And then we fall. We fall. Right. And we stand up again. No, why don't we just stay down? Right. Right. Because it's painful. Yeah. I mean, you fell down, you hurt yourself. Why would you want to get up again? Yeah, so everyone with little kids... To learn how to walk. Right. (laughs) Right? And we forget how much it takes to get up again and get up again and get up again. And that's why it's wonderful that little kids don't have much ego. So they're not embarrassed and they're not like, oh, I can't do this. Right, or I'm a failure. They just keep trying. Yeah. It's when we get older that we do that. And we go, oh, I don't want to try that. I'm going to make a fool out of myself. Or I'm going to, uh, it's going to be awkward or uncomfortable. Right. Or people are going to judge me. Right. That's a really big thing for Mm -hmm. adults, right? We don't want to be judged by anybody. And so a lot of times when we are trying to set a goal for ourselves, we're not going to tell anybody about it. Just in case, if we fail, mm-hmm. people are not going to judge us. They're not going to look down upon us that we weren't able to accomplish it. You know, I'm going to quote this, and I'm going to probably quote it wrong. But do you know how many times it took Thomas Edison to make a light bulb? 2,000 times. <laughs> I've heard this quote, too. Yeah, and I've heard 1,200. I've heard 2,000. Yeah. So, and, and someone said, so you failed... 1,999 times. 1,999 times, yeah. And he said, no, I know 1,999 ways how to not make a light bulb. Right. And I know one way how to make a light bulb, 
what do you know? And that's what you'll see with people that really strive for greatness is they get back up again. And you only have to get up one more time than you fell down. That's it. That's it. Just right. one more. Right. Well, what makes you an expert? 10,000 times. <laughs> right. <laughs> or just knowing more than anybody in the room that you're in. Right. Exactly. Right? And so when we don't strive, when we don't learn, when we don't uh, put some pa- something in our path that helps us grow, then we atrophy. It's not that we right. stay where we're at. We actually get weaker and we get more fearful. And this is why I'm really grateful to my parents because as a child, they exposed us to so many things. And I don't think you had as much exposure as I did. And then when I met you, I got to expose you to a lot of things. Yeah, like skydiving and one of our first dates. <laughs> right. Yeah, that was definitely an exposure. But when you do it as a child, it's not so intimidating because you don't have as much of that pre-thinking. Mm-hmm. I've had clients where I've said, you know, I want you to get up at sunrise. And they just look at me like I'm crazy. If you told a five-year-old, get up at sunrise, or... They're, or, they're, they're up anyway. Yeah, they're like, sweet, yeah. I want to go do that. Right. They want to try everything out and check everything out. So you kind of have to get a little bit like a fool, mm-hmm. you know? And the fool is the beginning. If you study anything with the tarot, the fool is the zero card. It's where everything begins. And it really means to be a creator, to try and not worry about what's going to happen and just kind of, it's actually a picture of a guy struck with wonderlust about to fall off a cliff. <laughs> That's the picture of it, right? That's this the picture of falling it. falling off a cliff. Yep. Yeah. And so most of the time when we start working with people, they're really stuck. That atrophy has set in. They feel like they've tried a lot of things and fallen down, and they have. And they're scared to get back up. I was just talking to a client today, and you're... He's probably watching tonight, but you know we were talking about the goal of every relationship, and that's to evolve, right? Right, and that we are not the same people when we met our our partners, right? Because we've evolved, we've changed over time, and this so this isn't what you married. This loveliness. How about this? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know the the goal is for the relationship to evolve mm-hmm. as well. Right. over time. And too often what couples get stuck in is stagnation, yep. right? And I've used the example of when we go hiking. When we go hiking, we can't carry all our water with us, so you have to find water. And if you come across a, a, a pond you know, of water or you come across a running brook, which one are you going to drink from? The running brook, right? Because the running brook, the flow of the water is, is self-filtering. And it's cleaner than a stagnant pool of water. And what we know about our body, too, is that stagnation is bad, right? We don't want stagnant blood flow. (laughs) You know, I I went to a personal trainer today, and I haven't worked out in quite a while. Talk about blood flow. Right. And he gave this analogy that, you know, people go and work out, and they expect some instant results. Well, I've worked out for a month or whatever, and he said it's like going and watching a plant grow. And if you look at the plant, it doesn't look like it's doing anything. But if you give it some time and you come back, you can see it. And so could you imagine if we changed that quickly? If, you know, we just thought about wouldn't it be lovely to be on a beach in Mexico? And boom, a second later, we were there. Like how confusing our lives would be, you know. (laughs) 
So we're designed to slowly change. And we get frustrated with the process and the progress being too slow or uh, we, did, we didn't master it soon enough. Because change is painful. Mm-hmm. And what people want to do is bypass the pain, which is part of the journey, right? Because you can't get to the, the destination you know, without really going through that whole process. That, it doesn't mean anything then, right? We're able to take a look back and say, wow, look at everything I've been through, right? And now that I'm here, I feel grateful. I feel accomplished. If you were able to get it just like that, you know, it's, it, it's worthless then. Right. And even when we get to that place where we feel that sense of accomplishment and that gratitude, the next thought is going to be, now what? <laughs> start over. <laughs> start, it, start at a new level, right? right? And, you know, when you get to a lot of mastery, there's such a desire to share that and to teach it. And that's really why we're doing what we're doing with you know, sharing our wisdom and what we've learned over the years, not just with our clients, but also with our relationship. And our staff and, you know, training people to help couples Mm -hmm. out there and help individuals be happy and healthy in their lives. And, you know, it is always a process and there's going to be stumbling, just like we stumbled with some audio visual (laughs) technical stuff today. But it's part of the whole process of learning. And, you know, um, I wouldn't have it any other way. I know that when I was, uh, you know, growing up, if I didn't get something right away, I, it was, I was filled with a lot of frustration, right? And, you know, I don't know if you remember those children's toys where you had blocks in the, in the form of a square or in form of a triangle. And, you know, the kids, they, what they're trying to do is put the triangle in the triangle hole, right? And the square in the square hole. And a lot of times when I felt frustrated and stuck in my life, I felt like I was trying to jam a triangle into a square hole. I just saw a meme on that. It was like a Volkswagen, and a woman was trying to put a king-size mattress through the door. And they're like, that's why you have to figure out your shapes as a little kid. (laughs) Right. You know, an interesting thing is that the, the male and female brain work a little bit differently and what we know because of the some of the demographics that we find of people who follow us is like 70% of people following us are women. Yeah, yeah, 60 yeah. to 70%. Yeah. And that's what I found too is that like I really strive to to learn. I get really bored and I want to I want to stimulate my mind. I want to do something new. I want to learn something new and the male brain doesn't do that so much. We're the more brain... solution focused. Yeah. You know, it's like here's a problem, let's attack it with everything, laser focus, fix it, and then everything's copacetic. Well, right? the step before that says mm-hmm. if it ain't broke, don't fix it. That's true. Right. <laughs> I mean, if there isn't a problem, right, then why do anything different? Right. And so I think the world has responded by offering a lot more things to women. And this is why I'm really excited to share with with all you guys, the class that you're starting, is that tomorrow night? It is Thursday night. Thursday night. Tomorrow's Wednesday. And this is for <coughs> men. And, you know, we actually, like 20 years ago, we had a men's group going, and it's really amazing to watch men gather and how different that is from women or co-ed uh, groups that, that we've done. And there's not a lot of space for that. There's not a lot of no. places for men to go to to really listen to each other and hear about how are they mastering things in the world? 
And so if you're hearing this and you kind of think you might want to grow a little bit, check out that group. So that's a six-part series, Mm -hmm. and it starts Thursday. It's going to be once a month, and it will be offered through Connections. You can access it through Connections. Um, But, you know, it is titled Men's Empowerment, and that typically has a very bad connotation to it. Yeah. Right? Because uh, there's been a lot of negative you know, energy towards women throughout the centuries and decades. And, you know, so when men say they want to become empowered, you know, a lot of times the the thought is that this is going to disempower women. And that is absolutely not true, right? And the whole purpose of this, of this group is to help men really connect with their integrity and who they truly are and who they truly need to be, right? And we have been led astray for you know, generations on what masculinity really is, right? And so talk about flow and talk about change, right, and growing. And it, it is absolutely necessary for, you know, both genders to to grow, right? And because you can't grow within your relationship unless you are growing as an individual. Yeah, the first spiritual law is that all is one. And so if one person in the system, whether it's a family or a couple or even an individual person is going to improve themselves and become more, that is only going to benefit everybody else. It's when we don't do that that actually hurts everyone. When we stay stuck, when we don't, uh, when we're not flexible, when we don't change, then we can't offer that to our partners or our children either. So, yes, men's empowerment means everyone's going to benefit. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Mm hmm. Be the best father, best husband, and best man that you can be in this world. Right. So we also have some other things that are coming up, too. Yeah, I mean, this transformations group, it's so difficult to talk about. It's so hard to explain what transformations is and what it does for you. But it's a 40-day spiritual practice where you make a commitment for 40 days to um, spend a little bit of time each day on spiritual development so there's a meditation component, there's um, uh, some, some focusing and some physical stuff that you do. And I think it's the thing that I've heard the most from the people who have done transformations and worked with us as couples, as individual people, that it's the most impactful thing they've done. And it's because it shifts you on all different levels. So, you know, Einstein said the consciousness level that created the problem is not the consciousness level that can fix the problem. And so you have to elevate within yourself in order to look at your life from a different perspective to really make changes. And this, because it works on on the physical level, the mental level, the emotional level, and the spiritual level, it completely changes your perception of your life and it gives you a really different way of seeing things. And, uh, and you're able to be so much more creative in problem solving and creating your life. And one more thing we need to plug is the Relationship 101 Mm -hmm. class that we're going to be promoting. That's going to be starting right before Valentine's Day. And that's a six-part series class as well. And that you'll get more information as, you know, as it develops as well. Right. And the Transformations Mm -hmm. is March 13th. So all that stuff will be on on the library. You know, I just wanted to talk about the process of doing things different and change as a developmental thing. And it's really interesting now that I've been alive for more than five decades. Ah, 
<laughs> You're gonna term it that way? Okay. Yeah, I don't know. But it it really is interesting to watch. Like, who was I when I was in my 20s, and how did I view the the world, and what was important to me, and what were my priorities? And looking back and seeing how those things don't matter to me at all now. Yeah. You know, and what was even important like 10 years ago. You know, you resolve those things and then you do the whole now what, right? It's always the now what and this continuous growth. I mean, I kind of feel like almost like I've lived multiple lifetimes in this lifetime. It's kind of weird. Well, I mean, when you think about it, mm-hmm. you, you kind of do. You know, as you develop through stages, you get to the end of that stage, you move into the next one, and it's almost like you don't know that last person. You right. Know? And, you know, a lot of times what we hear from couples when we first meet with them, you know, when we ask them what they want, they say, we want to go back to the way things were. Yes. Right? <laughs> no, you don't. Like in the beginning of the relationship. <laughs> you don't want to go back. <laughs> no, no. I mean, you really, really think about that. Because when you met, yeah, there was some great, you know, neurochemistry going on and passion and excitement. But the depth of the relationship was very shallow, mm-hmm. as it needs to be, right? right? Because you're still learning about your partner. You don't really know who they are as a person. You're just caught up in all of that excitement. And I had I had an <laughs> analogy of like... I could see you thinking. You okay. buy a plot of land, and yeah. you're so excited, and then you have to start digging before you can even lay a foundation, mm-hmm. you know, and then you start building. It's yeah. like that depth. Right. Go ahead, sorry. And then you hit the pipes. <laughs> <laughs> you hit the hit the roots, yeah. right? And you have to get a backhoe. No, it, <laughs> but but yeah, that learning process. It that's where the depth of that relationship, mm-hmm. you know, comes from. And too often, well, you know, in our society today, a lot of couples never get to those later stages in a, in a relationship. You know, they get to a point where it just gets really difficult, and maybe they don't have the guidance and and you know knowledge necessary to be able to push through to that next level and learn what they're supposed to learn and you know, for whatever reason, the the relationship ends. And then they start over. New plot of land. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe do a survey this time. Right. I lost it. Oh, you were thinking. I lost it. Okay. Well, you know, we can't go backwards, obviously. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we have to look forwards. We have to look, you know, from where we're at right now, where we want to go. And then we can't lock ourselves into that, too. You know, it, it's kind of like driving a boat. You know, when you're driving a boat, you want to, you know, head to a place, you know, that's on shore. You point the, the bow of the boat towards a general area of where you want to go. As you get closer to that point, that's when you start to fine-tune things, right? So when people say, this is my goal, this is exactly what I'm going to be heading towards, this is exactly what I'm, I'm going to achieve, you're going you're gonna to face a lot more disappointment, you know, if you face things that way. And you know why? Because the person that decides to start the journey is not the person that's at the middle of the journey or three quarters into the journey or at the end of the journey because you change it morphs you along the way. And, you know, this is what we see. And this is actually why we teach classes and, you know, why we're really passionate about doing this work because, People will come in when they're in pain. Mm-hmm. They're in pain. Um, probably one of the greatest stressors and painful things for human beings is when our relationship isn't doing well. A very painful yep. thing. And that motivates people to come in. And then what happens is 
you know, I kind of think about it like, you know, you're sleeping, you're in this warm room, you're under the covers, it's so nice. And then you hear, you know, those little... Well, they don't hear that. The well, scratching. Yeah, you can't hear it there. But, you know, you hear the scratching sound, and, and, and you wake up, and you're like, oh, what is that noise? And you turn your light on, and there's an opossum in the corner. You can't just turn your light off and go back to sleep after that. You know, and so a lot of times when people are in pain and they go seek out something new, they start waking up. And when they wake up, they really appreciate that. And then they don't want to go back because, like we said, if you're not growing, you're atrophying. And so that idea of, of okay, now I know there's an opossum in the corner. What do I do with that? And where else haven't I looked? You know, and, and I, we see this with our couples that have been with us for longer periods of time. The original thing they came in to work on is so irrelevant by three months in. And then they're really doing that deep dig right much deeper work and that requires you to learn something new in order to do something new and here's how you'll know if you're there you're frustrated you're confused you are bored you feel uneasy that's what it feels like it's not a good feeling right that's the sign that you are ready to grow well your emotional body's telling you something's wrong yep you got Mm -hmm. to attend to it yep right and, you know, too often what we do is we take it and we throw it in the closet and we shut the door. <laughs> Don't look and at just that. just keep listening to that scratching. Right. Let's just keep throwing it yep. more and more into the closet. Mm-hmm. And then when it comes time to actually address that, everything has to come out. Yeah. And we've got to sort through it. And that's a painful process. And it's understandable why people don't want to really address that, right? Yeah, nobody puts all the happy stuff in the closet. Yeah. And like, oh, I don't want to go in there. <laughs> Shut the door. It's all the painful stuff. And, you know, the the process of sharing who you are with another human being, whether it's your primary relationship or a therapist or uh, a, a close friend or people that you meet with at church or wherever you do that, it is always going to <clears throat> it's always going to feel like you have sunburn and someone patted you on the back. <laughs> You know, because when we get close to people, that's what it feels like when they've hit a sore spot. And it isn't because they're not kind to us. They can hug us, and if we have sunburn, it's going to hurt. And that's where stuff comes up for healing. That's the kind of stuff we try to avoid. And that, if we avoid it, it will wreak havoc in our lives. So if we're saying that pain and conflict is inevitable in your relationship and growth process, that is absolutely correct. It's inevitable. So one of the things that I do, um, and you know, I just had a session. And real quick, yeah. Sorry, Jean. Don't want you to lose your train of thought. But you know, when you were talking about all those things that you might feel when you notice the, when you're at the point where, right before, or when you notice that possum, right? Like when you're maybe feeling stuck, right? Somebody did ask. Um, would feeling really depressed be a sign? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's a great okay. question. And yes. So, Ugh. so this is where I want to talk about all the emotions that we have, right? Yeah. We have emotions for a reason, right? It, it actually develops before thought and rational thought. When the brain develops, it develops from the brainstem up 
into an emotional brain and then our prefrontal cortex, which is all our rational thinking. So all of our emotions, they exist for a reason, right? They, they, they have a function. I like to look at them at like uh, um, lights and, you know, uh, things on a dashboard that give you information, right? And that information is telling you something's wrong. Something needs to be attended to. And you don't drive your car and with all the lights going off and just say, well, I'm just not going to look at that, right? <laughs> <laughs> Something's going to happen, you know? It's just, right. You know, and so you have to attend to it. Depression, sadness, we have it. And, and it comes up for a reason. It's telling us something. Maybe it's telling us that there's loss that we have to process, right? You know, or maybe there's regret or grief, you know? And, and those those emotions, we can't just stash them away. We have to do something about it. You know, we've turned some of these emotions, especially depression and anxiety, into pathology. And, you know, the true rule of thumb is like one in nine have a true clinical depression where there really is an organic thing happening that they're more prone to that than the normal person. But most of us, because we have options and we don't like the feeling... We go seek a pill instead of diving into the work. Or distraction. Right. And so this is what I would call spiritual depression, spiritual anxiety. Those are the signs that are saying something is out of balance in your life that's coming up for healing. And, you know, it brings me back to what I was saying right before Angie asked the question is that, you know, I was sitting with a client last night who is in a great deal of pain and I kind of talk to her about really leaning into it and embracing it. Like, you know, this is what I do when I'm in pain. I go and I meditate and I close my eyes and I feel it. I just let myself be with the pain. I want to feel the temperature of it. I want to feel the the weight of it. I want to feel, is it stuck? Is it moving? What's happening? And then I always reach for acceptance and, and, and acceptance doesn't sound like I'll accept this when it goes away. It sounds like if I have to carry this pain the rest of my life, then that's what I'm going to do. And I think it takes a little bit of faith to believe in that process. The process that says this is in my life for a reason. It is something that, um, and, 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 you know, we get the pain first. We don't get the solution first. We get the pain first because, you know, Einstein said it's the the level of consciousness that is the problem is not the solution. So that's why meditation is so impactful and you sit in it. And what I found is when I can come to a place of, okay, I have this in my life. It's not going away. It sucks. And how am I going to live my life with this thing? I always like to think of it as like a passenger in the backseat of the car. Am I going to let it drive the car? Am I going to go somewhere different because of this thing or am I going to live my life and have to carry this thing? And I find when I get to acceptance, the world around me starts to shift. And I think that's those laws of attraction, right? That, you know, other people that may have felt this way start to show up in my life or um, I get validation of something or I get some other idea of what I could do to feel better. And, it really is that like, okay, I'm going to sit in this. And I'm going to deal with you. I like to call them my demons, right? I'm going to look the demon in the eye and I'm going to go, okay, here's where we're at. How do you tend to that when you're feeling? Well, I was just going to say, what's the alternative of acceptance? 
running away from it. Right. Trying denying to run away it. from it, denying it, trying to fight it. Right. And what, what does that bring you? It just brings you more of it. Mm-hmm. Right. Because now you're focusing on it. And, and that's what the brain does. The brain doesn't know the difference between do or don't. Right. So if I say don't have sadness, don't have depression, you're focusing on it. You're actually giving it more energy and more attention versus finding acceptance, finding gratitude. Right. And I find when I focus on gratitude specifically, right, or, you know, just being humble, it, it helps me ground myself to the present tense, just being in the moment and understanding who I am right now and who I'm supposed to be. Right. That's supposed to be is a really important thing because we get off track all the time. Right. And, and when we're able to ground ourselves in that moment, look in the mirror and say, OK, I, I, I remember who I'm supposed to be, right? Then you are able to find a sense of purpose for what that struggle is that you're going through. And that's what that's what helps me kind of move through those stages and that growth process and not stay stuck, right? Because that is, oh, that is so miserable to yeah. be in that place. You know, I, I know that gratitude is a, is a part of it. I usually don't get to it so easily. Like I, I, no. when I'm in that right. pain, right? But that humbleness that you're talking about, mm-hmm. it's like it, it takes you to your knees and you honor that this is a thing, that this thing is here and it's got power over you and it's painful. And I don't think we do that enough. I think we have been led to believe that we should always feel good and that if something hurts, there's a problem that needs to be eliminated as opposed to... Or there's someone that's supposed to help you with it. Someone right? out there that's someone going to Someone else help is you. supposed to take responsibility for right. it. Right. And, you know... And one comment mm-hmm. we got when we were saying this is someone said, is it also thinking that there's someone else to blame? <laughs> Perfect. That's exactly what we're yeah. you know, touching on, right? And, you know, I'm going to say this analogy. I know I've said it before, but, you know, imagine you're driving down the street and you start texting and your car goes up on the sidewalk and you run some guy over and you break his leg. Whose fault is it? It's your fault. 100% my fault. Can I fix him? Can I wear the cast for him? Can I go to physical therapy for him? So it is true that we can break each other. It is true that we can be 100% innocent in this pain in our life. But it's also true that we're 100% responsible for how we respond to that pain. And when we go to a place of blame, that's where we give up our power. And you can be absolutely correct. That guy can blame me all day long. I was 100% wrong. That's true. It's absolutely true. I just can't do anything else about it at that moment. No, it doesn't help you heal. In Mm -mm. fact, it helps you stay stuck and reinforce anger and resentment. And what is what you're going to get if you reinforce that? You're going to get more of that. You're going to attract more of that into your life as well. I, I would really like to validate that piece of, of life isn't fair and it's not your fault. And it's okay to be pissed off about that. It's okay to have a pity party about that. It's just not okay to live there. Because living there is where you give up even more than that which was taken from you because of someone's carelessness with you, or even worse. Mm-hmm. And so that that is an important part of the journey. It's just you don't want to get stuck there, and you have to go to the now what? Now what do I do with what I've been dealt? So every party has to end, right? <laughs> 
you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> and you really just, you know, if you, if I'm going to quote, uh, Jerry and Esther Hicks and, um, what's their book? Asking it is given. Where I don't know the book. I think that's called asking is given okay. or getting into the vortex. And they just say, just reach for the next best feeling. So if you're in a place of pain, you can't reach for joy. <laughs> it's too far away. You know, if you're in a place of pain, maybe the next thing you're reaching for is anger. Maybe the next thing you're reaching for is defeat. Maybe the next thing you're reaching for is um, hope. It's not going to be all the way to joy and happiness and la la la. And you know, uh, you know, we have these medications, and medication isn't designed to make you happy. It's designed to help take the edge off so you can do the work. And if if you've gone to medication and it's helpful, then take the next step after that, you know, and and get in there and really do the work of healing in your life, because sometimes we do need that because life's hard. Life's real hard. Yeah, you know, if you break your leg mm-hmm. or someone runs you over and your leg is broken, you have to go to the hospital for triage, and it's an emergency procedure, right? They have to stabilize you. Mm-hmm. But afterwards, you have to go to physical therapy. You have to do that work. And so that's what you're talking about here is medication isn't an end-all, be-all, right? It is going to maybe hold things in place, but it's holding things in place for you to do the actual work of healing. It's interesting you just said, hold it in place. Because that's what we're talking about today, right? If you hold something in place, it atrophies. Stagnation, right. Yep. So if you put a leg in a cast, (laughs) all the muscle goes away. Mm -hmm. All the flexibility and range of motion goes away. So the bone gets to heal because there is none of that. But then it's much weaker than it was before the break. And then you have to build again. You have to build again. So, I mean, you can choose not to. We have free will. You so absolutely can choose not to. We covered all the areas of physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, right? We, we covered all those aspects in this, in this segment yeah. today. <laughs> well, I guess we're well-rounded people. <laughs> and it is a process. That's why we work in, in all of those realms. Because if you just try to change your thinking without changing how you feel about something mm-hmm. or what you're doing, it doesn't work. No. That's just positive affirmations. Yeah. Positive affirmation without any um, action doesn't do anything. And we've talked about this in, mm-hmm. in past webinars, right? Yeah. You need those three aspects of the brain stimulated in order to actually achieve anything. And that's, you know, your, your mental focus on it, mm-hmm. your emotional focus on it, and then the action. Right. Right. You know, one of the things I just want to touch on is that you were talking about, about um, focusing on something. And, you know, this is, this is something that I'm really passionate about. When something's going wrong in your life, the very first thing we want to do is we want to go talk about it. And we want to talk about it with everyone all the time because it's a way that we try to make ourselves feel better. But what usually ends up happening when we talk about it is we hear back the same frequency, you know, you just find yourself doing it and you say to someone, oh, you know, I have this problem. And the person comes back and says, oh, I know my sister has that problem too. And so does my, you know, aunt and so does my friend down the street. And then it doesn't, 
go anywhere. It, 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 or they just reflect back the same pain, you know. Right. Oh, wow, that mm-hmm. must be really horrible. Yeah. You know, oh, that's terrible. And then just reinforcing what it is that you're already feeling. Right. I guess validating it, too. But Right. And, and that is an important part of the process. Mm-hmm. But the next step of that, I would recommend go for a walk by yourself. Get quiet. And, and the walking is important, that movement of your body. It starts because our emotions flow right along the outside of the physical body. And so when they get stagnant, we get stagnant. We don't want to get out of bed. We want to sit and eat a bunch of junk food. We don't want to move. But when you start moving, things start to flow again. And anything that is flowing will find balance. And it's hard. It's hard to get up and get moving. You know, that's one of the main things I'm hearing with people during you know, all this COVID stuff, there's nothing to do. There's nowhere to go. I'm sitting around. I'm not doing anything. I can't even motivate myself to, you know, do my normal workout or whatever. It's hard. Yeah. Because the body in motion stays in motion right. and the body at rest stays at rest. Law of physics. Yep. And so, you know, that validation piece of all this stuff it is important, but then the now what is really important as well. And I don't think it matters what you do as long as you do something different. No, because it's easy to shift your position when you are in motion Mm -hmm. than when you are stagnant, right? Right. And so pivoting, you know, you're using that energy as you're moving to move into a different direction. And so, yeah, in the beginning, I I know a lot of people don't like this this saying, but fake it until you make it. Mm -hmm. In the beginning, it does feel like that, right? To to get out of bed, to get on a treadmill and, you know, I I just want to just go to sleep <laughs> and have my body work out for me and then so I can wake up and, and now I'm fit, right? But, you know, you, you got to fake it in the beginning. You got to get yourself moving until you actually feel energetic enough and motivated enough to catch up. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about what Kyle Cease says. You know, Kyle Cease is a motivational speaker, yeah, author right. kind of guy. And he always tells you to say, and I love it. That's his like shtick, and I love it. And I remember being on a treadmill and feeling that way and being like, and I love it. And I'll put a big smile on my face. And we're at the gym. Like, we're out in public doing this. And I was like running with a big smile on my face, and I love it. And and it does. It it made it easier (laughs) because, you know, this is motion, and motion is part of emotion. So even changing your facial structure or, you know, talking yourself through something, it really it changes. It makes a difference. Yeah, absolutely. You know. So, are we... Are we good to meditate, Ange? Absolutely. Um, uh, thank you for all the comments. People have been commenting that this was a great talk, and I feel like it's went by pretty quickly. There was a lot of good stuff in there. Yeah. So, you probably can't tell, but I'm standing right now, and I actually want to do a standing meditation. Ooh. Yeah. So if yeah, everyone stand. Okay. can stand up for this one. And I really just want you to keep your eyes open for a second, but just put your feet on the ground, like shoulder distance apart and just sort of, you know, rock back and forth and really feel the ground under your feet, you know, spread your toes open and really feel as much of your foot touching the ground as you can. And then as you are moving back and forth, find your center and just come to a stop. And then as you do that, gently close your eyes. 
and feel your shin bones above your feet. Be aware of the base of your body, that stability. And pull up on your kneecaps and just let them rest and find that balanced position. And engage the muscles in your thighs and feel that strength. And shift your hips a little bit forward until they're resting properly. And elongate your spine. Imagine that you have a string at the top of your head that's pulling straight up and giving you perfect posture, perfect alignment. And feel that all the way to the bottoms of your feet. Allow your shoulders to come back and your arms to hang. And if you've practiced yoga, this is mountain pose. And imagine yourself standing at the top of a mountain. And imagine the top of this mountain is your greatest potential. And that in order to get there, you had to go through valleys and meadows, through forests, over rocks, cross streams, and all the obstacles along the way have taught you and shaped you and helped you become. And imagine standing in your greatness. The very best of you, the most excellent you can become in this world and in this body. And as you observe the world from this vantage point, See the present you, wherever it is on this journey. Maybe you've fallen down and need to get back up. Maybe you're so busy and you've lost your way. Maybe you're confused. Maybe you've had a series of successes and feel great and feel positive about the journey you're on right now. Wherever you find yourself on the journey, listen to the wisdom of your highest self. And take a moment to speak to that part of you that's in the present, that's really trying. And give yourself practical advice on things you can do, how you can talk to yourself, what to believe in. And watch as the present you looks up, looks up 
and starts focusing on that potential, that greatness, that place where we're all headed to our own version of our perfection as we live and thrive in an imperfect world in imperfect bodies with other imperfect people and all that imperfection shapes us colors us and helps us become And imagine that you can put a hand out and elevate your present self to this level of greatness. And know that's where you're headed. And reaffirm your commitment to your journey to creating a purposeful life to being in service to others and allowing the difficulties to shape you. And with this wisdom inside of you, allow yourself to go all the way back to the present you the things you need to tend to right now. And just reach for the next best feeling, whatever that is. The next thing you can do to stay in motion, whether the next thing you do is a mistake or a success, it will teach you and help you become. And you can't choose wrong. And just affirm one thing that you'll do, one thing different, in the next 24 hours. And honor yourself on this journey. And gently open your eyes. That was different. Yeah. Standing meditation. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, there's... It's so interesting when people say they can't meditate and they're doing it all the time. They just don't realize it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just observing yourself and and taking that focus and channeling it wherever you need healing in your life. And it shifts something because there's no such thing as a passive observer. Well, I was just thinking for those people that have trouble like meditating and they fall asleep, this would be a perfect one to practice. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it doesn't need to be long. It just needs to be deliberate. Mm-hmm. So thank you for joining us today. This is really awesome. Um, check out our stuff. We have a lot of great workshops coming up. The Men's Empowerment Group, which is Thursday. The Oh, we're going to be doing a spiritual development group monthly. I don't know what I'm going to teach on, but I'm just going to be doing a monthly teaching. If you've ever followed me, um, 
I, I love teaching and those are, you know, you get all this little things of wisdom and I love preparing for it because I'm learning as I go. Um, and transformations is coming up. A lot of great stuff. Yeah. And you can access all of these events on our Facebook page, Couple Synergy. Mm-hmm. Um, also, if you are, you're obviously a member of Connections, so you'll be able to see it there too. And the good thing about those groups is you can actually interact with us. So here we are, we're just, you know, broadcasting to people. But there you'll, it's, you know, a regular Zoom call where you can ask questions and interact. Right, right. So, Ange, was your meditation good? Yes, it was. Thank you. I enjoyed it. Well, we want to thank you so much for joining us today and for listening to Couple Synergy. Our passion is in helping couples and people have happy and healthy relationships. And this podcast gives us a fun way of bringing our knowledge and expertise to you, our listeners. And don't forget to join us on Connections. Go to couplesynergy.com, find connections, and join us every Tuesday night. And if you know someone who could benefit from this episode, please download it and share it. And thank you for listening. For all of you listening, please subscribe to our podcast and please leave us a review. If you have any questions, comments, or topic suggestions, please email us at contact at couplesynergy.com. Also, if you want to uh, be considered as a guest on our podcast, email us at contact at couplesynergy.com. For more information about Couple Synergy and our programs such as the Couples Weekend Intensive, our premier program called Couple to Couple, or our online community called Connections, look us up online at couplesynergy.com. Until next time, synergize your life and synergize your love. You have been listening to Couple Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Couple Synergy was recorded, edited, and produced by Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Voiceover and music entitled Breathe and Let Go was recorded and composed by Gina Gonzalez. Gonzalez.